When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... I really want to lose three pounds. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. Diet starts tomorrow. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. I want to quit the gym. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. With hosts Aileen Cooperman... Joey does a shampoo! ...and Sammy Fishbein. Whatever, I'm getting cheese fries. Hello, welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Aileen. I'm Sammy. And this week, we are so, so, so deserves three so's to share with you all our amazing guest. We have Sarah Nicole Landry, also known by all of you as the Bird's Papaya on Instagram. Maybe you're one of her 1.7 million Instagram followers, or you know her from her famous post about self-love and body positivity. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for for. joining us and coming on this podcast. I mean, we have been talking extensively about the process of like loving our bodies. Like the Mm. two of us have been, we recently leaving diet culture at recently, like of the last year, I would say. And so the whole accept we've been, we talk all the time, Sammy and I are text 24 seven. And we're always talking about like how loving and accepting your body is, is almost the, the the key the key and it's so it. wild it's so it's one of the only things that we actively like I don't I don't mean to compare it actively to you know many other forms of addiction but when we're in this form of recovery from diet culture or dieting or even if you were as full-fledged as like needing recovery from disordered eating, you have to exist with food every day. You have to exist with this advertising every single day, these body standards every single day. It is like it doesn't just like all of a sudden you wake up and you're okay with it. I think you just constantly learning the tools as you go. I still feel so new in it. And honestly, when you say like you're a year into kind of like unpacking this stuff, I'm like still within the last like three years and now I'm pregnant. So it's like, as soon as I was like, Hey, I've got it. It's like, now you will gain all the weight and you will, your body will change and you can't exercise anymore. And everything is going to be dead. And you're going to have to eat mashed potatoes like for three meals a day. <laughs> everything kind of the second you feel like you've got it, something kind of comes back at you. So it is such an interesting conversation. One I don't think should ever truly go away because we are unpacking and, and, and kind of like retroactively saturating a market that has been so prevalent in all of our lives and in the history of women and men and everybody for years and years and years. Yeah. And even on top of the food that we're constantly faced with, you know, the three meals a day that that we're just generally used to having when you I think that the other piece of it that that is so unspoken because it's just like a, a given are the images of images that essentially suggest thin equals better. And there are many ways that we're sent that message through images. But I since this has been like a major piece of work for me, I've noticed like I've just become like a lot more in tune with like how different images of food or of bodies are are affecting me. And my, you know, I noticed that when I see, you know, like one of those images that is sort of like projecting the idea of thin being the goal, I immediately like I go back to, oh, I have to look like that. Yes. And it's and it's crazy because like it never even like occurred to me that that was driving so much of my my decision making and and goals. Yeah, and how can it not? I mean, it's so deeply embedded. So for a lot of us, we we think we're just existing in surface level life and and thoughts, and then all of a sudden it'll be one thing, and and it brings you back like so far, like to the to the to this point. 
Wow, it really took me a second there. <laughs> to this point, think about the first time somebody ever made a comment about your body that hurt your feelings in a way that like stayed with you. I can remember, and, and I thought about this a lot. I was in grade seven. I had just come home from a family vacation. And uh, on this vacation, I bought new velvet corduroy light purple pants and I had a velvet crushed like crushed velvet crop top daisy shirt in a similar color it was like this matching set they were flares I loved it this was so exciting for me and I showed up to school this day and this one kid came up to me and he goes oh Sarah good to see you're back from vacation looks like you enjoyed enough burgers on it though eh and like kind of like pointed at my stomach this is the thing that was like over 20 years ago it was 23 years ago now And I still remember what I was wearing, where I was standing, what was happening. So we have these instances where almost embeds are in our brain like a trauma. So even when we see these images and we talk about triggering a lot in like mental health, like language and stuff like that, but it can trigger in diet culture so much too. And you're brought back to those comments. You're brought back to that time, to that one person, to that one instance, to that one change room where, you know, the pants didn't get up the same way that they used to. It just brings you back into that same, you know, fears and fat phobia over and over and over again. So it's it's a constant unlearning of what we have been subtly been taught our entire lives. Yeah, you literally just triggered actually a crazy memory for me of being this wasn't like my first um, experience of having like my body commented, but um, I have a very distinct memory of being, I think, like 17 and I had just lost like. I had just done my first like big weight loss mm. and I probably lost like 15 or 20 pounds. And I remember like feeling good about myself. And then we were actually at a party in Jordana's garage <laughs> and I'm not going to name the person, but he uh, called me a fat ass. Aileen, uh, do you know who it is? Yes. M- my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love the term. I should say it. But yeah, that was he deserves who deserves to be called out for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just like, and you just, you, that's what you just like met, brought just, up literally just, I, I forgot that happened. Yeah. Like, but it's there. It's there. Yeah. It's, it, and it lives there. Right. So you're right. The second you scroll through something and all of a sudden there's a certain type of image, you have no idea. And I think that's why we have to be so aware and also very protective of ourselves in this journey of unpacking. It's taken me a long time to even like be okay following accounts that are women in thinner bodies, even if that's naturally who they are to not look at them and suddenly be like, that's what I want. That's what I need to have. I should just, and then just start to look at like, Ooh, I shouldn't have eaten that or, Ooh, maybe I can change this. And, and all of these thoughts can really flood back very, very quickly. So it's, it's an important thing to be very self-aware of as you kind of move forward. Well, that said, your Instagram is actually the opposite of all of that and extremely Mm. inspiring in the way that you share your body. Unlike everybody else, can you tell our the DSTers and us, like, what is your story? Like, what made you start this? When did you start it? What does the bird's papaya even mean? <laughs> yeah. Very I, like, I love the name, but like, I don't know why. It makes yeah. me think of vacation. It makes yeah. me think of vacation. It makes yeah. no sense. People, it's funny because people won't even know what my actual name is. So like in public, they'll be like birds or like papaya. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it is me. It is I. No. So I like 12 years ago, I was a stay at home mom. I had two little kids and I was living six hours away from my hometown. So I'd moved away from mom and dad and all my support systems. And I had these two babies and it was so lonely. Like motherhood was hard for me. I, I didn't cope super well with it, but I loved it at the same time. So at this time, blogs started to become a thing. And, and it just was the first time I felt truly like I wasn't alone. I was reading these women's stories and their lives and their homes and their children. And I felt like, oh my gosh, like there's this whole community of people that are nowhere near me. And I feel so like I just, this, this bond of human connection that was happening through this blogosphere. So I just, you know, being this like little 23 year old something thinking that she could do it all. I decided to start my own blog. So I Googled how to code it. I coded it. I had no money. So I coded my own blog. It was atrocious. And everybody had a really cute blog name. So there was like tater tots and jello and fingerprints on the fridge and, you know, all of these like really cutesy names. So I was like, I need to do a cutesy name. So I ended up 
at the time I only had two children. My son came after the fact. You have three I, children? Yeah, I've got three kids. Like I had them all by the time I was 25. So I named it after my two girls, nope. their nicknames. So it was Gemma Birdie and Maya Papaya. So it just became oh. the birth papaya. I thought it was really cute and catchy. And years later, I was like, okay, I'll change it eventually. But it ended up just really sticking and kind of becoming a huge part of like my brand, I guess. Right. So years later, after all of this blogging and, and kind of continuing on blogs were a lot about like your homes and they were about your front porches and they were about what your kids were wearing. And, and I didn't really ever have to make it about me. I had existed in an overweight body and a large body since I was about 12. So this was not something I never really wanted to be front and center of anything. I enjoyed kind of like having my identity be placed in my home and in my children and, you know, in this really atrocious writing on this really awful blog. (laughs) But then Instagram came about and social media came about and the cameras kind of went from flipping outward to flipping inward. And simultaneously at the same time that Instagram came about, I moved back home to my hometown. I'm now like in my mid to late twenties, I have three kids. I'm 225 pounds. And I, for the first time really saw it. I, there was one photo that was posted of me on social media and it just made me feel so broken. So I was like, okay, I'm tired of being anxious in my body. I'm tired of feeling like I wake up and I hate, I I, like, I hate what I look like. I, I just want to lose weight. I just want to finally do this. I've been on and off diet since I was 12. So I was like, this is going to be different. I'm so driven. I'm just, I just want to do it. But again, I had no money and access to anything. So, um, sorry. And to, and to partner that with the whole Instagram thing, everyone's pictures now were all about them. So that was kind of partnered with this moving home and this anxiety around my body. So without having proper education in this or access to that education or, you know, finances to, you know, be properly educated to anything around, how to lose weight. I did what so many people do. And I downloaded an app and I just started exercising every day, not realizing that the app was telling me to eat essentially what a toddler should eat. And that the amount of exercise I was doing and how I was doing it was pretty extreme. And, and even though it didn't seem extreme, it was obsessive and I didn't see it that way. But at the time, I mean, you go from being over 200 pounds and plus size and slowly this weight is coming off. The internet's starting to notice I'm becoming the success story. I think I was about 40 pounds lost when I first posted my first before and after. And, you know, the congratulations and the validation, it just drove me even further and further to the point that by the end of the year, I'd lost 80 pounds. And by, you know, a little bit after that, I'd lost an additional 20. So now I had lost a hundred pounds while at home being a stay-at-home mom without a gym without like any proper diet like no like you know diet that you pay for just basically for free and so it was an internet sensationalized story it was all over the news across the world and my instagram was growing off the fact that like if there was anybody who had all the excuses it was me and yet here i was and i did it the darker part being that within all of that, my relationships were failing. My marriage was failing. I had more anxiety and depression around my body than ever before. I was so terrified to show up on social media as I was. So I was face tuning everything. It was never enough. It was never good enough. And here I was with this Instagram fame, I guess you could call it. And I was just blasted with the, with the realization that I essentially have been lying to myself and I've been lying to a whole slew of people. And if I'm going to do something to change, I'm going to have to do this in a very real way, in a very like almost hypocritical to everything that I've said before. And I'm going to have to be really honest and it's going to be really scary and it's going to be really hard but I'm going to do it. And it it wasn't like this all of a sudden I was this new person. It was like this tiptoeing into a room, this safety of what was, you know, at the time, the body positive movement beginning. Um, I'm going to talk about body positivity a little bit in a second, but um, as we kind of moved into it, I was just realizing that for the first time, I was actually feeling safe in my body. I was actually feeling less anxious about it. I was actually feeling less pushed to kind of hate myself happy, which is essentially what I've been doing all along. And I didn't realize at the time how many other people were struggling with this. This was about three years ago. So things like your stretch marks were not a, were not a common thing to see. 
And in the process of sharing, I ended up having an underwear company called Nixwear slide into my DMs and say, we want you to you kind of be a part of our next ad campaign and come to this photo shoot. And initially I said no, and they convinced me to do it. And it was like a low angled shot. So this is the first time I've ever taken a photo where it's not me that took it. It's a photographer that's a foot shorter than me. So not even at the angle, like that high up angle that I really needed at. It was a low angle, low rise underwear. I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And when that photo came out, I was so, so full of shame. My, my reaction was like, oh my gosh, like what did I just agree to? Like, this is blowing the gates open on every facade that I've had. And until I read the comments and the comments were, I, I didn't know that there was another woman that existed like me. Like I have never seen another stomach like this. I have stretch marks like that too. Like, and I had, I didn't know that you know, other women had them. This is so cool. It's so cool to see my body, you know, in an ad. And, and all of a sudden I was like, wow, what? Like there is actually other people like me, not only that, but like almost half of the population has this. And I had no idea. So I kind of committed to just starting to be more vulnerable, share and show up in ways that kind of unexpected just to kind of push myself to you know, look at the things that scared me, look at the things that gave me shame, look at the reasons why I felt so much like I needed to diet and hate my body away. And, and why I was so scared to gain weight after that long story short, it it really connected with people. And when things connect with other people, they share it. So I ended up going from, you know, what at the time seemed like a massive following to growing over a million in a span of like a year and a half. It was like wildfire. And it was by me being honest for the first time on social media. And it was by me just kind of showing up within all of that. And, you know, just to touch on what I just said about body positivity also gave me an opportunity to really learn the roots of a lot of these things. So one of the big things that I like to kind of disclaim as we kind of go into these conversations is body positivity was actually designed for um, more, mostly women in marginalized bodies, large bodies and black bodies, disabled bodies. And there are women like me who became kind of the face of the movement And it's been a huge struggle for those who exist in those marginalized bodies. So I have actively now been, which I love that you introduced me as that, because now it gives me kind of the chance to say like, you know what, this is something I'm actually distancing myself away from. So I'm, I'm moving. And, and to be fair, I also love that body positivity can sometimes feel like just another thing that we're failing at. So I'm really leaning into body neutral thinking and self-love in, in the way that we just show up for ourselves. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And They're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Was there a point, like, from when it became super, like, you described sort of, like, from being, like, really sucked into diet culture and constantly, mm-hmm. like, posting, like, you called it, like, the success story, to then quickly shifting to embracing yourself on social media, but what was going on like behind the scenes? Was there, was your brain kind of fighting with itself? Like, I'm sure that was a process to have to deal with like the emotional, um, 
I guess, distress of like these two kind of conflicting personalities. How how did you deal with that? So it actually came at a time I just left an 11 year marriage. So now I am 30 years old living at my parents' house with three kids and I had lost excess weight because of that life stress. And I, a lot of people didn't know about it. It was very private. I wasn't making it public. I wasn't ready to. And when I would see people and, you know, they would, they would react to seeing me, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you've never looked better. Like, congratulations. And it just like light bulbs went off in my head. Like, wow, I'm actually barely eating. I'm not doing well at all. I'm struggling greatly. And yet everyone sees that I'm thinner and therefore I must be happy. I must be healthy. This must be something to congratulate her for. On top of that, I started having some medical symptoms that were problematic. I had gut issues. I had, um, I even lost the feeling. This is something I actually only unpacked recently because I kind of forgot about it. I lost feeling in my, my legs a little bit, uh, quite a bit to the point that I had to go to emerge and be seen by a neurologist, have like needles put into my legs that were shot like electric shock up my muscles to see where the, where, what was happening. And essentially I had gotten so thin that my bones were on bones and crushing my nerves and I was losing feeling in my legs. So this, I'm like in my, I was in like, I was 30. I shouldn't have been dealing with these things, but I, I didn't see it as a problem. I didn't see it had anything to do with my weight, but in recognizing that I essentially, especially after kind of losing so much extra weight, I'd gone down like quite small. I knew, I knew that I couldn't sustain on essentially not eating every single day and being that stressed out. And so once my life started to repair, I was in a great job. I was meeting new people. I was mentally a lot more stable. Therapy was really helping. I just didn't have this same hold on hate that I did before, but it was very scary to recognize that through healing, it would mean that I would gain weight and would, it would mean that people would no longer congratulate me every time they saw me, they would almost feel sorry for me. And I kind of had to take back that story a little bit. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't, um, I, I would think comfortable in any sort of way, but it was necessary. And now I'm so grateful for it because I think that through that season was where probably the most like real work happened for me and really released me out of that feeling. And, and it's funny that I could exist. And as I gained weight that I could actually be happy in it. Like we were just talking before recording like this, what it was like to, you know, go up in size and jeans. And that was like, used to be something that you're so scared of. And suddenly it was like, Oh, like, I actually don't feel bad about this. I actually just look okay in the, in a better size and in a bigger size and really just unpacking that as I went and, but really sitting in that, sitting in that discomfort. I literally just bought a size larger jeans. <laughs> literally, oh, I, really? I wore them. Yeah. And I was like trying to like talk to myself. It was like an internal dialogue of like, is this okay? Like, yes. do I feel yes. okay with this? Because normally that's a bad thing. That means I need to yeah. go on a diet. Yeah. Like I can't, I need to be, I need to want to throw these jeans out. You know, that's a goal. But instead I want to keep jeans because I just bought them. How do yes. I be okay with that? Mm-hmm. So it's such, it's mm-hmm. such a real thing is really the being okay with the weight gain. And like, how do you really love yourself <laughs> in you, that process? How did you get over like the, like what you just said, which is like, when people see me, they're going to feel mm-hmm. sorry for me. They're going to think that I'm in a worse yeah. place because I gained weight. Like, I think it's, it's not something that you just in one day change your mind and you're like, fine. Yeah. How do you like deal with the going back and forth between like, I'm okay with keeping the jeans if yeah. you know, I keep them. it's, it's so wild to me that we align our self-worth with something that's constantly changing. That's reality. We're changing all the time, whether we like it or not, it is a constant, constant change. So to, to connect and, you know, tether our worth or our confidence to something that is unstable is actually just a really bad idea, (laughs) but we don't see it that way. And and it feels really uncomfortable because that's not what we're taught. That's not the messages we have. And in our, in our initial thoughts, like our, I always, I always talk about things in like first thoughts, second thoughts. And like our first thoughts can often be like the fearful ones, the ones that are like, like I have to go up a, a pant size. And then the second one's like, 
wait a second, why do clothes even exist? Do I exist to fit in clothes or do clothes exist to fit on me? This is not the conversation we're having. Let's move on. But one of the bigger things that really kind of helped me uh, move forward in terms of like seeing people and being around people and just like gaining more quality from relationships in my interactions and my own confidence. When I started thinking about the people in my own relational world and the reasons I loved them, why do, why do you hold friends? Why do you stay in relationships? Why do you marry somebody? If you were to make a list of the reasons you loved people, it's not going to start with, they've got great abs. I really like their arms. They've got stellar skin and they have like, no, we actually go with I really love the way I feel seen with them. I love the way that we have deep conversations or that we love the same kinds of foods. I love the way they hug me. I love the way that they look into my eyes when we're talking. I love that, you know, for me, when I'm with, when I talk about my husband, it it never is about his looks and he's wildly attractive. Like I find him so attractive, but it's just not my why it's, it's, it's there, but it's not the core reasons. I love him because when we go into a room of people, he usually will find the person the, not talking to anybody and make sure that they feel seen in that room. I love the way that he can make me laugh when I'm crying. I love the way that he has never commented on my body through a swing of so much weight. And the fact that he always makes me feel special. I love that every morning, no matter what the morning, no matter how miserable our night was, we always start it with when we're in the bathroom, we're both tired. And one of us going to the bathroom, I'm standing at the sink, brushing my teeth. He always comes up and he kisses me on the shoulder and he says, I love you. And then he walks away. And it's like, these are the things that make you love somebody. They're not about what they look like. And so I think when you start to detach, what's my worth? Like, who am I? Where's my confidence coming from? What am I offering this room? What am I offering this relationship? We're not offering our bodies. We're not offering our faces or our hair or skin. Those are all the external things. Often they're the fun, like razzle dazzle in our life. They're our creative canvas. And and I understand, you know, when we want to decorate them or when we have desires for them, but it can't be our core reason of our confidence and our worth. It can't be so tethered that we start to feel fearful around the people that we love or that love us because they might comment on things sometimes, but that's because they've also been conditioned to think that that's the right thing to do for you. But the core reason that they love you has nothing to do with what you look like. So walking in with that sort of confidence and it just makes you want to work on the stuff that really matters and not care as much about what you look like. And I think as we start to learn these tools, like for me, a big part of it was, you know, in the discomfort stages with clothes, with seeing myself in the mirror, with those days that you sat in the bottom of your closet and you ball your eyes out. It get, it's not that those things don't happen anymore. It's just that they happen less. And for a shorter like period of time, I've gotten a much quicker at just like looking in the mirror and being able to be like, I don't like this today. And just walking away, being able to walk away from that discomfort. I think we're doing such a horrible job if we're just pushing on everybody to get out there and wear bikinis and do all this stuff. Like, I don't care what, how you show up. I care that you're there. So how do you want to show up and be there? How, what can I do to convince you to make memories today? If that's in a bikini for the first time ever, please come. If that's in a full body moo and a massive hat, have at it. I'm just so happy you're here. So I think it's just really taking a step back, peeling those onions back as to why we feel the way we feel, why we're so driven to, um, fear and, you know, like fear of not being accepted over and over and over again, having that conversation with yourself over and over and over again. Well, first of all, your husband sounds great. (laughs) He sounds awesome. He is. He is fantastic. So obviously, um, motherhood, being pregnant, getting pregnant is a huge, it's a step in, in, in the way women's bodies change. It's a, it's, it's a massive, massive way that our bodies are, if, if your goal is to get pregnant or you want to get pregnant someday, our bodies will change and they will not go back to the way that we were before. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you approach that? If you don't have, if you're struggling with body loving, accepting yourself, like how are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, pregnancy is the pressure cooker of all of it. It's the, it's the, it's the fastest and most, I don't want to say violent, but a little bit violent change when it comes to, you know, aggressive change in your body. I went through it three times before I was 25. I was not ready for that. I bawled my eyes out when I saw stretch marks. I couldn't 
face, I, I just kind of gave up. I was very just sad and, and, you know, didn't really care for myself. I would wake up every day and kind of shower and put my hair in a wet bun and do what I could to get through the day. I didn't, I just didn't care. I just stopped caring because it felt like, why would I care about something that's already gone to crap? And that kind of narrative really messes you up, especially when you're now, you know, leaving a marriage with three kids in tow and you're like, well, that's it for me. Nobody's ever going to want this. Like it, it, I just had such garbage narrative as to what actually happened. It took me eight years after my third or sorry, about seven, eight years after my third was born, where I started to really unpack that when, and it started with the stretch marks, right. But not only stretch marks, but having three kids, one of them being almost 10 pounds, I, after losing a hundred pounds, I have really loose skin on my stomach as well. So there was layers to the postpartum things. And, and the fact that your, your breasts change and they create stretch marks and they get wrinkly and creepy as well. And stepping back into it, you know, I'll be honest for a long time, especially when I was very, very terrified of gaining weight, the idea of having another child was held back by knowing what that change could be and not wanting to do it. And that's such a privileged thing to say when people fight so hard to have children to kind of sit there and be like, I don't know if I can deal with it. I really, really don't. But I, when we found out we were pregnant, I mean, I did have a lot of those fears. I have like that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go through this again. I'm going to have to go back into kind of like the ditch and kind of go through the mud. I'm going to have to get through it all over again. And this time with so many more people watching and actively watching, and I don't even know how I feel, but I was like, it's going to be different this time. This is the thing. I'm a changed person. The last time was a decade ago. I'm 35. Now I'm going to be able to have an active pregnancy, a really intentional pregnancy. I'm it's not going to be this, like giving up on myself that I kind of had before. That was, that was me six months ago. I was very like, this is going to be amazing. I was actually hitting fitness goals within my first couple weeks of pregnancy. And I was like, so jazzed. Then I got insanely sick. I could barely eat anything. And when I did eat, it was like solid carbs. So when, even when you think you don't have diet culture in you try eating carbs for three meals a day, it is not a, it's your mind is now like, cause before, even when I was out of diet culture, I was like, I'm just eating to fuel my body. I'm not tracking. I'm not weighing myself and I'm exercising for like my own mental health. It has nothing to do with dieting, but then all of a sudden you're unable to work out. You're unable to eat like a certain way. And suddenly you're like, am I even healthy? Like, how is this possible? And then on top of that, I was put on pelvic rest. So I'm not actually even allowed to work out. I am rested. I'm not allowed to do anything because I have placenta previa. So anything could essentially risk my life and my child if I do too much. So I'm even in a whole new stage of unpacking what it feels like to have your kind of identity and worth even strung to, yes, I exist in um, a healthy body and that's what this looks like to, but that doesn't include eating, you know, a certain way and it, and it doesn't include exercise because I can't and still finding validation and worth in that process. And it's going to be, a, it's going to be tough. Like coming out of this, we're going to be on like almost a year of no exercise, massive body change. And I'm going to have to face that in 2020 and I'm scared, but I'm excited. Like it's a weird I know it's going to be such a challenge, but I think as somebody who has been storytelling through change for so many years, I am excited for the opportunity to do it in a raw way and a really honest way with the tools that I've kind of gathered from healing and journeying through, you know, healing from disordered eating and diet culture. I'm excited to watch how, <laughs> how that, how that journey is, because I mean, I think I mean, I'm not thinking of like really having kids, but like definitely that is that like to think that that's not like within the top 10 thoughts about yeah. I have when it comes to thinking about kids like it is. Yeah. Honey, Which I don't 100%. think it should be like there's like a million other things to worry about. But like, unfortunately, that's still 
but it's there for a reason. Yeah, it's there for a reason. It was it's been advertised as even while pregnant. I literally get advertised diets like every like I've been advertised like gotten target ads on like how to lose weight while pregnant like so many times. I can't even go on Pinterest and look at like baby nurseries without being told a good postpartum body thing or how to like only gain weight in your belly and it's it's just it's everywhere. So it's a cute bump. I hate I hate the like language around having a cute bump. Like now what even is that? that? Like that means you can't have any fat on your body besides the bump. That is what it means. And and glorifying and glorifying. Oh, you don't even look pregnant from the back. Like I really hate all that language. I hate. Oh, like how are you like getting your body back? How quickly do you think you'll get like that kind of shit? I it's it's so it's so. What about like breastfeeding to lose weight? Oh, and you know, it's funny about that. Yeah. They talk about, and I, and that was one thing that I really struggled with before because I actually didn't gain weight in my previous pregnancies. I gained weight during breastfeeding. So I was like, how dare they? Like, this is the story. This is not what I was sold. I thought you're supposed to lose weight when you're, when you're burning calories, (laughs) it's burning all the calories. You can eat whatever. And it's fine. Calcium bar, (laughs) like a calcium bar valid. Like, honestly, that's kind of, so you almost have to just like trust the process. There's so many, there's so many layers to body change as well. And I think the like hormones and, and everything on top of that, that's kind of comes a part of all of this, this section of the journey. But for, for me, I've really landed on, you know, I don't know what my body's going to do, but holy, can I just show up and respect her? I might not love what it's looking like. I might not always feel great. Sometimes I feel really resentful that I've been so sick or that, you know, so much has happened that I haven't had this idealistic pregnancy whatsoever. And on top of that in a pandemic, so I'm doing it very alone. Um, it's been, it's been really important for me to respect my body, not to, not to inherently love it in the way of feeling and not to feel positive about it. I think that that would be dangerous as well, but just, just respect it, just respect what it's doing, respect its process and the job well done. I think when we look at stretch marks, especially that is such a huge one that so many kind of land on. And was a huge one for me, but here we are literally woven together with skin that has this capability to grow and expand in such a way that is so magical. And we have the audacity to look at it and be like, wow, that's gross. But at the same time, how valid is it that we also struggle? So I think that it's, it's okay to kind of grieve as you're doing this respect process. I think it's okay to struggle when you get stretch marks. I think it's okay to put on preventative creams for it or feel a certain way about it. I think it's so toxic to kind of be like, just be positive about it or just like, no, you should just like love the heck out of them. Like, no, I respect. And I think it's magical what they do, but I also think that it's okay to grieve the process as I'm respecting it. Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. 
But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. So now following up on this, on the mom conversation, for me at least, a big driving force for all of my like self-growth and desire to change is for one day having kids mm-hmm. and being a mom that shows respect and love for your body. Because I remember like years ago, I read one article that was like, you're, if you have a daughter, if then um, like up to two years, they still feel like they're still part of your body and that they um, mimic everything that you say about yourself. They think about themselves and like just that kind of literal, um, that literal, I guess, scientific psychological process has stuck with me. I just wonder how does being a mom impact how you saw your body, how you treat your body every day? It certainly changed throughout the years. Um, when I was going through my weight loss, I was very intentional to not let my kids like see it or so I thought, I thought I was being so sneaky until my daughter literally said to me one day, she's like, mom, people only love you because you lost weight. And I look, she's, she's kind of like that. She's kind of like, can really call you out on something. And I looked at her and I was like, that's not true. And she was like, really? Because that's the only reason you're on the cover of that magazine. How old is she? She's 12 now, but at the time she was like nine, but she was just like, she's also the girl that like, if I come out, she's like, that's what you're going to wear today. Okay. And like, I was like, wait, what was that? Like, what was wrong with this? (laughs) She's really good. She's a little, she's my middle child. She has her little powers, but I really woke me up to the fact that I haven't been doing this like secretly. And and it has kind of installed in them this idea that I was better for being thin. And that's what people saw of me. That was my, imagine like looking at your parent and that being their accomplishment. Like they had not seen any other career aspect for me. They had no other like something to grab on except for a mom is famous because she lost weight. Like that was so wild for me to kind of wake up with, even if I thought that I was hiding it all from them and I was being so careful about it. And at the same time, to your point, um, you know, when it comes to children and one thing I've really learned is there were, were their first thoughts. Like our thoughts are their first thoughts. They learn language from us. They learn, they learn to mimic. They, we are kind of like their narration process. So I do think that I probably have gotten a lot wrong over the years. And I think that it's okay that generationally, a lot of people, when they talk about their disordered eating, or they talk about their journeys, almost always is there a mention of a mother or a maternal figure that kind of put that on them. And we have to forgive them as well, because that is because it's layered from a generation before them. The claws of diet culture go generationally up and up and up. And we have to kind of really give ourselves so much grace and then give them so much grace and understanding to the fact that it's not their fault either. We've all been kind of conditioned in this way and we've been oppressed with our bodies to believe that there's only one more that exists in this world. And I have two daughters and a son. And let me tell you, my two daughters are vastly different body types. They live in the same home environment, the same genetic makeup, the same, you know, foods that we're eating every day, and their bodies have responded entirely differently. And it's been fascinating to kind of watch them journey through that. And the comments that the one gets made over being too thin and the other one who got called fat for the first time in grade four. And it was like, what is happening? And it, and it's, fascinating to me to kind of go through that. Now, for me this time, I'm having another girl, I am very, in a way, kind of excited to go through this journey again, even though, you know, my son, I would bring him into the conversation, but he doesn't really struggle with his own body the same way the girls do. Like I'm witnessing that. Like he's just, I remember the one we were just shopping recently and something like didn't fit him. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, Oh mom, don't worry. 
I don't really care about my body. I'll, I'll worry about that um, when I'm much older. <laughs> He's like, it's not, that's, it's not my time. But I do think it's important for him Men. to be witness to how you talk about bodies, especially when it comes to women, because it seems to impact a lot stronger, even though the stats show that, you know, it also does impact boys more and more so as, you know, time goes on. But I'm excited to kind of go through this journey again and actively and openly, honestly, with another daughter while having teenagers in the house that are going through their own things. And, and I just, I think I've really changed. I think I've really changed the way that I talk about everything around them. And they're also at the age of social media. So they read all my stuff. And, and I noticed recently I was following this, this account that was like a body love, like uh, empowerment account. And you know how you can see like which one of your friends like liked it. And it was like my one daughter had liked that post. And I just felt so much pride that even the way that they're handling social media, they're starting to really take charge of that conversation and that narrative. And uh, you can't ever do it in a way that's completely polarizing. You have to let them kind of navigate for their own and, and, give them tools, kind of be, you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a, uh, like a map guide, but you're not the map director. You're not the, you're not the author of it at all. You're just kind of there as a guide. So, and your guide is only based on the experiences and the knowledge that you have. So I maybe didn't get it right before and that's okay because I, I get an opportunity to kind of learn around my own journey and, and be a guide for them when they need it, when they ask for it and when they come to me and, and hopefully the fun thing about parenting is you never know if you did a good job or not. So it's just like this hope and this wish that the things I have instilled with them will help them along the way without ever really knowing, without ever really being validated in that. Yeah. It's so, it's so true about like your, how much like a kid is modeled on their parent and how much you really do like narrate and create like the worlds and the habits Mm -hmm. that they have. Like my mom was just, she finally moved out. She was like living with us for two months, basically. Yeah. She officially left this morning. Um, but what was like, I haven't lived with her like in for that extensive period of time Mm -hmm. since I was like 23, I guess, but I was much less self-aware at that time. And now it's like the extent to which the two of us have like mirror habits are, it's like a little scary. Like it's, it's like, there's two of us. It's like, like having a clone of, yes. of, of her it's and, and my habits are the exact same as hers. Like our tendencies are the exact same. We are like, we always have the same like idea of what we want to like eat of what we want to watch. Like my mom had ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> oh yeah. God, love like, her. Like, but I want to have, like, I always want to have ice cream for breakfast. It's like, <laughs> I didn't get that from, from nowhere. Like I got this from the fact that like, I'm her clone habitually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a little, it's a little freakish, but um, I'm hoping to not create another one of those because like, it's a little torturous to live up here sometimes. Oh yeah. These habits sometimes. Yeah. So but I, yeah, I love what you said though, about like the compassion you have for yourself in, in you didn't have all of the tools for your first two daughters. And now you have a different set for now you're coming third. And that I think the important thing to take away also from that is the fact that you're showing the first two that you are changing and that you're investing in yourself in terms of Mm -hmm. growth. I think Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. They see that you care about the message that you send them. So I'm sure they're going to invest in themselves that same way. So in, in, talking about mirrors, you know, so. Yeah. And I think it extends so much further beyond, you know, mental health or sorry, beyond body and it goes into mental health. And mm-hmm. recently there was a, I'm not even going to name a name, but there was somebody who is very well known in like the wellness space who put up a quote that said, your kids are never old enough to watch you have a breakdown. And I was pissed when I read that. Cause I was like, no, that's, we are not built to, like, too many times we have mothers and we look at people at mothers as being like, that's their entirety. And that is who they are, but they're still humans. Like they're, you're still a human. And, and we have to have empathy for our mothers. We have to have empathy for ourselves. We have to teach our children to see that as well. I have, I tried to hide breakdowns from my kids. I tried to like, look like I had it all together, did not serve me well. And not only that, but they saw right through it. And now like when and I allow my hider, 
a hider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like a peacekeeper instead of a peacemaker. Right. And so once I started really being more open about what was going on with me, not trying to carry this facade of being this perfect mom and this perfect woman who, you know, could do it all and be it all, all the time. First of all, I would never wish that for my children. I would never wish for them to fall on the sword for the people around them. I would want them to still advocate for themselves. And by going through things openly and honestly, by talking about mental health, by talking about therapy, I will never forget. And I have consent to get to tell the story. Um, but I will never forget the day that my daughter came to me and said, you know what? I'm really ready for therapy. I think I'm suffering from a form of depression. I'm having anxiety attacks. We all knew this. She'd been having, having them since she was little, but she was like, I'm ready to go and talk to somebody about it. She was 13 at the time. And I looked at her and was like, okay, let's do it. And, and she's been so, she was diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, diagnosed with anxiety and started going after her own mental health. And she doesn't like, it's not a thing for her. There's no shame around it because I, and I have to give myself a little bit of credit there because I think it's because we had so many open conversations about it that I was like, that's what it is. I'm going through prenatal depression right now, which is like a whole other bag of chips, but chips are tricks. Anyways. (laughs) I came out of that therapy session and I was like in a hangover, like a therapy hangover that I literally wandered the city and ended up like going to my friend who has a new puppy and just like, all I needed to do was just like, hold this puppy it was such a fog. And I, and I came home and I was like, man, I, and they were like, how was your day? And I was like, I had therapy. I'm just going to tell you right now. Like I'm still in the fog from it. Like, you know, that feeling after you've like talked about your feelings and it feels like a lot. And they were like, yeah, totally. Like we just talk about it. And I think that's so important that like, we humanize ourselves as parents or as mothers or as daughters and sisters to see, to see women who are mothers and also see them as an individual and not just, you know, tethered to this responsibility to fall on the swords and like be selfless and, and hustle and never sleep and never eat. And, and, you know, you'll never pee with the door closed again, pee with the door closed, teach your kids that like boundary, like that's okay to do that too. Right. And, and so I've really learned along the way to kind of be a lot more vulnerable with my kids and, and you never know what that might lend itself to. I will, I'm just so proud that it meant that my kid asked for therapy when she needed it. Honestly, that's such a sign of like of a result of open discussion, because if you're in a hiding your emotions family like I was, you don't have the ability to have the self-awareness to know that you need a therapist to ask for it because those emotions aren't important to address. So it's. That's that's also amazing. And not to paraphrase Kamala Harris from last night, to respect the people in front of you, you have to speak truth. You have to be honest with them. So it's a yeah. sign of respect. Let's do some non-scale wins, which is what we share. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. We share something that has nothing to do with the scale and it's a win of the week. Um, Sammy, do you want to share yours? Yeah, I have a fun one from this morning. Okay. Okay. So, so I went to um, Dwayne Reed to get some milk for our coffee because we were out, which is like a, a win in of itself that I didn't put it on someone else to go, to go do the errand. Cause like I'm never leaving my house. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's, that's win number one. But then I get in there and like Dwayne, Dwayne Reed is very triggering for me, especially around Halloween season because of all the candy. So I, the first thought I had was literally like to, to, self make a joke about myself. And I was like, oh, I cannot be trusted to be in Dwayne Reed and Halloween. And I was like laughing at myself a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm no, like almost like that, like, yeah, like self-deprecating, bring myself down. Like I can't be trusted in this situation. Okay. But then I was like, that is crazy. Like I can't be trusted in a Dwayne Reed around <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> like, because of what? Like, like someone who can't be trusted in a Dwayne Reed is someone who's going to go behind the pharmacy and steal all the drugs. Like, what's, what am I going to do? Have like a few extra Reese's? Like, you know, so I, so I was like, okay, I'm going to make this like really fun. I'm just going to get everything in Dwayne Reed that calls me. And I'm just going to allow myself to get like whatever I feel like and see what that is. And like, it was actually a very fun, like, experiment to see like what I was called to like food like snacks wise Mm -hmm. because like I was able to see like oh I don't just like want ice cream like Mm -hmm. in a in an IV to my face it's actually I want specific ice creams and some I think are gross and not worth eating and 
I prefer hand-packed Haagen-Dazs to store-bought. <laughs> and that's an important distinction for me to yeah. make. <laughs> like, like there's, and, and that was like eye-opening for me. Like it's that I don't actually need to just have everything because it's there because like, I don't actually necessarily want all of it. So you I just trusted myself- yourself. And so yes, therefore yeah. you just got to do what was actually the response instead of this fear induced yeah. crazed child kid in the candy store type of mentality that there's only this one opportunity type of thing, which causes that all of that. Yeah. Yeah. The funny oh. thing, I, I remember Halloween shopping, like when I used to live at home with my family, like we would get all the candy for the trick or treaters. And I would be like, yeah, I can't wait to go buy that because I, I, I'm there and I'm like, this is for other people, but I'll make sure to have some of these. Um, it's not, you're not like allowing yourself to like, because if, if you were to allow yourself to have this, you'd be like the self-indulgent monster. Um, but that's not the case. If you allowed yourself to want to choose what you actually like, you get to enjoy it. Like I can't, that's such an amazing win because I don't think I've ever experienced that. <laughs> it was fun. It was like, and, 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 and because I was just like doing it, it became like a fun shopping spree in Dwayne Reed at like 8am. Like, Ooh, do I want yeah. this? Do I want this? And it wasn't, yeah, it was just, it was interesting. I'm going to go do that after. Yeah, yeah do it. Do it. It's fun. <laughs> I have no idea what Dwayne Reed is. So you're just talking and I'm like, it's I have just, no Oh, it's idea. like a, a CBS, pharmacy. the drugstore. Oh, okay. 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 I thought oh. Dwayne Reed's closed, but okay. Never mind. Sarah, what's your, but, what's your win? Yeah. Honestly, I'm kind of going to go after the closed one and I'm going to extend it into like how I feel about this whole season, because even within recovery, it was really easy for me to be like, well, I'm still like, you know, I'm medium of a size eight and going into double digits again for the first time was, you know, I thought going to be a lot more uncomfortable. And I actually just felt like really safe about it. And I feel really okay with it. And I feel really like that was the first time in a really long time. Cause I remember when I was losing weight, this idea of going into single digits was like something I posted about and celebrated. And by the way, I've left up all of those old posts. Cause I love like being able to show people the ability to change and evolve as a human, but just going back into larger sizing and not feeling like crap about it and actually just honoring that that's what fits my body. And in a way that is actually just made me less distracted. I think a lot of times when we wear clothes that don't fit us, you don't realize how much it makes you think about your body. It makes you distracted by your body. And when you're distracted, you're not doing your best work. You're not doing great writing. You're not great at your job. You're not great at relationships. You're not great at really a lot. If you're so distracted by how tight your jeans are or how much your pants don't fit, you're just reminded of it constantly. So living and existing in an expanding body, Body. Yes, I know I'm pregnant, but I think it was expanding with quarantine life anyways. So it, to exist in an expanding body, to give it that grace, that understanding and that respect to kind of go into a size that fits it. I'm just so much less distracted. And I feel like that's, it just made me really uh, just intuitively a much better person. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow, my, win, that's really my, amazing. my win is also about clo- clothes. Yeah. Like I said, I got a size bigger jeans mm-hmm. and that moment like that moment was so pivotal of like me kind of talking about to myself, (laughs) is this okay? How can I be okay with this? Um, But then it's kind of, then I brought myself out of it and I was like, the jeans aren't the only thing I bought. I also bought like this cute jacket and actually, and these two t-shirts and these two t-shirts and this jacket are too big and it's the normal size and it's the size that I usually get, which is why am I focusing so intense? Why am I giving those a pass? And and not giving these jeans that are, you know, normally if I would go a size smaller, why am I not giving them a pass? And so I was like, let's pull myself out of it. Like you said, Sarah, these mm-hmm. these these clothes are meant to make me feel good, not the way around. The, the sizing is all over the place. That's not a reflection of who I am. And kind of just being okay with the like the larger. I I literally I went down a mini spiral. I went into my old like orders. I went to see what was the previous size that I've had. Um, I was like comparing. I did the same thing, but instead of photos from last time, I did it with clothing orders. We'll and find it. We'll find anything to do. I'll find anything to obsess over to to just to prove myself back like. Like I'm, I'm doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Like I'm, it's almost like, it's like a self-sabotage in a way, but mm. in, it's hard to what, let go of, of these things. Of course. That's why I'm saying it's, it was so, I, I kind of treated myself with such compassion 
And I was like, who gives a shit? Wear the jeans. They look good. Go out. You want these cool mom jeans? <laughs> Wear them. <laughs> and I did. And then I wore them two days in a row. And I felt very like sexy in them. I felt really good, positive. Oh, and love that. it was an awesome experience. And now I'm thinking about like, what do I do with the, all the other clothes I have in my closet? Oh my God. I don't know what to do. Isn't but- donating so freeing though? Like I, I find that donating clothes that don't serve me anymore is like such a freeing process. It's I agree, but it's so complicated. It's such a complicated process. Of course. There's well, the money. There's the, and then it's like, where am I donating these to? Is it just going to more trash? Like maybe I should try to sell them, but that takes so much effort. Um, I just, I don't, <laughs> it's such Fair. a fuck. I'm like, let's just keep them in the closet. <laughs> well, my feeling is sort of like, I don't actually know what my body is like, right. um, is, is supposed to look like. It's something I've like, I've talked to my therapist a lot about that, like, because I've never not been like on the way up or on the way down. I have no clue what my body's like natural resting place is. Mm -hmm. And so I have clothes for a bigger body. I have clothes for a smaller body and I can look at like different members of my family and like their sizes. And like, (laughs) I, I, I like my brother was like, did had, he ate intuitively and he was thin. My, like Mm -hmm. my mom is a small boned person with my habits. Like, so I don't really know what my body is like, but that also gives it such an opportunity to ebb and flow, which I also love. Like if you are going to hold things in your closet, then it kind of gives you the chance to ebb and flow. Like, like I said, we can't tether our our worth to something that stays still. So what if we allowed ourselves to kind of, that was something my husband taught me because when we were first dating, he was like, Oh, I lose 30 pounds every year. And then I gain it every summer. And he's like, because food in the summer is so exciting. He's like, and I love good beer. And he's like, I'm not giving that up. So I just let my body ebb and flow. And I was like, I looked at him like, what? Like you <laughs> the opposite of everybody. Do that? Like that's allowed, but you could, and it's like, oh, that's actually quite normal. Your body is meant to ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And some seasons I, I've tried to really let go of um, weight loss and weight gain. And instead of saying, instead of that, calling it like holding and releasing, because I think sometimes in seasons of life, even without intention, your body will release weight. And then I think other times it holds on to weight and to honor both of those is like really special. And it doesn't make you feel like crap when you're like, Oh, you know what? I just need these pants today because my body is clearly holding on to some weight and you know what? I'm just going to trust it. It's going to let her be. And then other times it releases weight and giving it that same respect where it's not like I don't feel better or worse about myself for these things is, is really something so special, but it's, it's amazing when you use different language, how it, your brain responds differently, probably because we don't have that history tethered to it as well. I like the idea of keeping a range of sizes of clothing as a means of support. Not, yeah, as, not as a, yeah, and not as a means of like goals. Because <laughs> then, then even if you do like lose weight, it's not like you have to shun the 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 version of you that wore no. the bigger clothes. Exactly, it's support. It's a support system. I yeah. love um, that hoarding one hundred and one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it too. Um, thank you so so amazing. much for this coming fun. on our podcast. Yeah. Um, We really appreciate everything you're doing for women um, on your Instagram. Keep fighting the fight. Um, We're going to continue to try to do the same. Um, Where can people, I know you just launched a, or you were launching a collection with NYX, I think I saw. Yeah, we've got a box coming. It's going to be wild. We we designed together. That relationship really expanded from like that first time and and really kind of tethered our stories together. And uh, so a a while ago, like years, we've been talking about doing something kind of big. So we ended up making like this mini collection together. It's going to be in a box and it is coming out with the first pair of NYX leggings ever. If you've ever worn NYX wear, you know, like their materials are just kind of dreamy. So it was something really sought after. So it's been, it's been wild. I think we're preparing for a sellout within minutes. And so we're bracing kind of for this, but so excited, like just so, so exciting. Like I, I can't even tell you, like, I've literally like lost sleep over being like, are people even going to like it? And it's just, look, they look super so cute. They're like shiny. Yeah. 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 So they have this, like, 
instead of them being like that faux leather, that's really not as breathable or really hard to get on. We designed something that is like a really high luster that kind of gives you that same look without it being like this difficult thing to put on. It's got a really high waisted band that I swear looks incredible on everybody. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we did that and, and four other things in this box. And so it's launching on October 18th and uh, yeah. So well, that a couple other collabs coming, which is really good. It's, it's been such a shift in business, like to go from basically like influencing four other brands to actually working with them on design processes, on products in themselves has been really a cool opportunity for me as a woman in business to kind of expand upon my own brand that way. So it's been really an exciting year. Well, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank I want to, I want to get on that wait list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's a and, bit of a lottery, but it's going to be so exciting. <laughs> and everyone go follow Sarah at the birds papaya. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you want to follow us at Aileen, at Sammy, at Dysers tomorrow, um, email us your questions, anything, any follow-ups you have, dst at betches.com, rate, review, subscribe. Um, and we're always with you. Through thick and thin, like the shirts we're wearing right now. Diet Starts Tomorrow is hosted by Aileen Cooperman and Sammy Fishbein. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast producers are Mike Coscarelli, Sean Kilby, and Carly Rice. And artwork is by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram and email your questions and non-scale wins to dst at betches.com. Betches.